the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Season Watch with Wendy Scott, where we observe the things coming on the earth through biblical binoculars, because the Bible is both timely and timeless. With her master's degree in rhetoric and writing skills, Wendy is a part-time college professor, but a full-time truth professor. She believes the Word of God is His perfect revelation, including a young earth six-day creation, as well as the global flood inundation, and that Israel is God's chosen nation. Faith alone in Jesus is salvation, the true church rapture, comes pre-tribulation, followed by Christ's millennial domination and his eternal kingdom with earth's regeneration. Jesus is coming without hesitation. And now, here's Wendy with today's topic. Hello, friends. Thank you for joining me again with Season Watch. And let's just start with prayer. Uh, Jesus, we thank you so much for the promise of your resurrection and for all the promises, God, that we can trust in you, that you love us so much. You gave yourself for us. And I just pray for everybody out there right now who just feels lost and disconnected from the things of this world, that the Lord's calling you to himself, that he's asking you to lay down your life as it is so that you could take up his eternal life and be in his care. So We just put ourselves in your care today, Lord, whatever's on our hearts that we're concerned about. We want to give to you and trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, friends, I hope you had a good resurrection weekend. Everybody I talked to, all my close friends, I said, Happy Easter, and they're all, Happy Resurrection Day. So, okay, it's a thing now. It's official. We're saying that. Uh, But to secular people, they do appreciate you wishing it. I met a lot of secular people kind of seem to forget what the day was. And I get it. That's, you know, if you're not walking with Jesus, um, you don't realize, you know, it doesn't mean that much to you. It's it's another day for chocolate eggs and bunnies. But it's not about that. It's about the greatest story ever told, the greatest event in history. And we're still talking about it. And um Friends, I just want to remind you that um, if you're interested, I have other video teachings on my Rumble channel. So you can check them out on Wendy's Words for Him. Um, And you can go to also I have recorded the audio recording of the book The Hiding Place by Corey Ten Boom. Um, And it's so encouraging. You can just put that on. It's got some visuals with it, but you can just listen to it as you're tooling about your your day, and I encourage you to listen to that, especially in these difficult times. And then, of course, um, you can find all my radio podcasts. I post them as soon as the show is aired on Saturday, and you can go to my Rumble channel, Wendy's Words for Him uh, um, radio, and go to that, and you can listen to them there. Uh, so it's up to you. And, of course, you can always find Season Watch podcasts on lots of other podcast platforms, whatever your favorite is, or you can go to the kprz.com website and listen to the past ones. There's links to all my websites and other, um, you can connect with me and email there. There's a link there. You can do that. Um, if you're interested, if you're a business and you're interested in advertising, 
during the show. I love that. Uh, or if you just otherwise would like to support Season Watch, please email me at wscott at mywordsforhim.com, wscott at mywordsforhim.com. And, of course, you can just go to the KPRZ uh, Season Watch webpage and click on the link there if you like. Anyway, so, okay, so last week we looked at the fact of Jesus' life and how great the evidence is for the essential details of his ministry his death, and even his resurrection. And we also talked about how Satan tried to derail the work of the gospel immediately by spreading rumors that undermine these facts, even as the disciples and witnesses of his life and resurrection were still alive. So that's how audacious Satan is, right? He'll lie right to your face about something that you absolutely know is true. So watch out for that. Don't be fooled. Um, Then we pointed out uh, the remarkable evidence that validates Jesus's life through historical and archaeological records, unrefuted eyewitness testimony, as we've said before, of his life and his resurrection. Um, And then the disciples who claimed to see him after he arose from the dead, that they later endured horrific torture and martyrdom rather than recant their claim that they'd seen him alive, right? I mean, who would, I'm not going to stick with that story if I made it up, I'll tell you that much. Um, And then how there are many times more ancient manuscripts in support of these eyewitness testimonies. We've got hundreds uh, that were copied and written within a hundred years of Jesus's uh, ministry, and they were written immediately after by the living witnesses, especially Matthew and John. They were eyewitnesses, and of course we said that Uh, Luke, the physician, was Paul's companion, and he went out and established the historical record with great detail, right? And then we understand that Mark was, I believe, Paul's, uh, was Peter's nephew and a close companion, and that Mark wrote it on behalf of Peter. Of course, had heard it thousands of times. So we also have over 300 prophecies predicted in the Old Testament, the details of which Jesus completely fulfilled exactly in the New Testament in his first coming, right? So we're still waiting for the second one. Hurry up, Jesus. And that uh, his life, it was a fault line in history. It caused uh, the world to completely change. You cannot, it's completely different. The whole world's adjusted to this uh, little rabbi in this small region under Roman control. And yet, Jesus became the most well-known person in history around the world. He's not regionally limited. That's remarkable. All these things testify to the fact uh, that this is these things are true. And so we also looked at how Jesus fulfilled prophecy during that Passover week, nearly 2,000 years ago, as the Passover lamb, and that the Passover that was given by God after they, when they were leaving Egypt, that when he established that, that that was pointing to what Jesus would do, that uh, death would pass over those of us who trusted in him, right? And so we saw that he entered Jerusalem on the day prophesied in Daniel uh, chapter 9, verse 20 through to 25. You calculate it out, and that's the day he came in for his triumphal entry. And then he rode in on the colt of a donkey, not just a donkey, but the foal of a donkey, just as Zechariah 9, 9 said. And we read through that. And it's also prophesied, believe it or not, in Genesis 49, 11, that, uh, that he would uh, be on the colt, the foal of, an, of, of a donkey. And so he also entered triumphantly five days before Passover. 
And this is to be inspected by the Levites and the people to see if he was a proper spotless lamb, right? And that's just like the Passover lamb that was uh, uh, prescribed to bring the Passover lamb into the house five days before the family sacrificed him. It was the family had to offer him up. So, And then he was betrayed by Judas for 30 pieces of silver, just as prophesied in Zechariah eleven twelve. This stuff is really specific. And then, of course, we recognize that he fulfilled Psalm 22's prophecy describing his death by crucifixion, which, by the way, didn't even exist when David wrote that, right? Uh, all that time before, the crucifixion was invented by the Romans to be an excruciating and long and painful way to to kill people, right? And so we saw in Psalm 22, beginning at uh, verse 14, this description that we end up seeing in Jesus's crucifixion. It says, I'm poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It's melted within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue clings to my jaws. You have brought me to the dust of death. He's speaking to Jesus, to God there. For the dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They all look and stare at me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. And we saw the description of uh, Jesus's crucifixion. These things rang true. In fact, even more than that, when you read Psalm 22 from the beginning, when uh, he quotes Psalm 22 and draws attention to it, it's Eli, Eli, lama sabbatani, right? And he's saying, uh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's calling in all of Psalm 22, which is a description of how they shake their head and they say, oh, he trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him if he delights in him, right? And that's exactly what the Pharisees said to him. And so God was calling attention to that moment by having Jesus quote that first line in Psalm 22. I mean, it really is so specific. You can't argue with these things if you're rational. And then, of course, we looked at how he fulfilled the description in Isaiah 53 perfectly. It was very descriptive. And I'm just going to read a small portion that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Uh, The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was as uh, led as a lamb to the slaughter, yet before his shearers he was silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. He was killed. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked, but the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Therefore, I will divide with him a portion with the grape, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he be- transgressors, there you go, and he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. I and mean, there it says over and over again, what's interesting, these details it are that by his stripes we were healed, so we know he was flogged. 
and that he was taken from prison from judgment, and then he was uh, killed with among the wicked, wicked like someone who had committed a crime, right? And the Lord laid on him all of our crimes, right, where he paid, and yet there he had done no deceit. He had done nothing wicked, and um, there was no deceit in his mouth, and yet um, he was numbered with the transgressors, but his grave was made with the rich. That's exactly what happened. So, I mean, it'd be very hard to plan all these things. Uh, just try it. I can't even plan my day. So we see all these details. If you look at another part of Isaiah, I think, I don't remember, 14 or something like that. It talks about, I gave my back to the smiters. They pulled out my beard. Um, I, I showed this to a friend of mine who was Jewish one time. I, she went to the Passion of the Christ. If you can take it, definitely watch that again. Um, and she was she couldn't believe it. And then when I pointed out these scriptures, she goes, oh, my gosh, Jesus was the Messiah. It's like a revelation she had. It's because it's undeniable. And the Holy Spirit joins with that and reveals the truth to us. And frankly, there are many, many more prophecies fulfilled by his first coming. Some of those which we discussed uh, at the Christmas episodes, if you want to listen to those again. Um, But truly, there's a lot more to be said about the veracity of Jesus's life. There is no rational basis for doubting these facts. Even Israelis accept every detail except that he was their Messiah. So we want to pray for them that they'll receive, oh, more and more Jewish people are coming to faith. And so we continue to pray that God sprinkles them with his spirit as he promised in Zechariah. So again, I recommend to watch the movie The Case for Christ based on Lee Strobel's book describing his journey as a journalist to disprove the claims about Jesus. But then he ended up proving the claims. Isn't that awesome? And so the book's really good, but I like the movie. It's easy to share with somebody, too. And so I also recommend the book More Than a Carpenter by Josh McDowell. Um, And you can read it yourself and kind of uh, equip yourself with a lot more evidence in archaeology, history, all kinds of things. And then it's really good for intellectuals, people who say, no, I don't believe in Jesus because I'm rational. And you go, hey, you might like this. So. Um, But anyway, there's one more prophecy I'd like to look at, and it's often overlooked by Jews and skeptics, and that is uh, the prophecies concerning the Messiah's resurrection, all right? And uh, so, friends, fasten your truth belts, belts as we look today at why the resurrection, and the answer is to establish many infallible proofs, all right? So it's amazing we consider the record of the resurrection. Let's look at Matthew's account, uh, Matthew 28, starting in verse 1. Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. That would be very interesting to see. And his countenance was like lightning, his clothing was white as snow. It's so amazing. And the guards shook for fear and became like dead men. These are guards. These are Roman guards. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, come and see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. Woohoo! So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. Oh, wouldn't that be amazing? Wait a minute. They killed them. What's going on? And then they ran to bring his disciples word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, rejoice. So they came and held him by his feet and worshiped him. Oh, can you imagine? 
And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go into Galilee, and there they will see me. And now while they were going, behold, some of the guards came into the city and reported to the chief priests all the things that had happened. When they had assembled with the elders and conspired together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers, saying, Tell them his disciples came at night and stole them away while we slept. That's a dangerous concept. Um, And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will appease him and make you secure. So they took the money and did as they were instructed. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. So the Gospels describe how his followers, who were men, (laughs) were hiding for fear of the Jews and that the women uh, brought them word of Jesus' resurrection and they did not initially believe. But then, as we know, thankfully, Jesus began to appear to them many times over uh, the next uh, 40 days, which, by the way, is another biblical pattern, right? The 40 days. And we see Luke also describes the amazing encounter two disciples had with the reason Jesus as they walked on the road to Emmaus. I would love to get this Bible study from him and how Jesus gave them a special insight on the scriptures, although they did not initially recognize it was him. It was withholding from them um, as they were sad and perplexed. And they reported these events to him because he seemed like a stranger. He didn't know what was going on, right? That's so funny. Um, and so we see in Luke 24, starting in verse 22, they say, Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us when they did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. As certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it, just as the women had said. Oh, can you imagine? And, but him they did not see. Then he said to them, This is Jesus. O foolish ones, as slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them all the scriptures concerning himself. So we see so many important details here about the actual circumstances of the resurrection and the point that the prophecies foretold it. So we see three important points about the death and resurrection of Jesus. So number one, everyone knew he was dead. All right, let's, let's not forget this. Everybody knew he was dead. Uh, the Romans verified it by plunging a spear into him, right? Nicodemus and Joseph took the body down and wrapped it in spices and linen. That took a while. <laughs> um, and also all of his disciples believed it and were hiding for fear, right? So they definitely knew he was dead. The Pharisees believed it and asked for a guard so that his followers could not steal the body. Not to make sure that Jesus wasn't just faking it. Everybody knew he was dead. They were concerned the disciples would come and steal the body and then claim that he had risen, which is what he was prophesying. I will rise from the dead. Um, So, two, a second important fact. The body disappeared and nobody could find it. Clearly, that happened, right? So, uh, first of all, the Pharisees paid the Roman soldiers to lie, promising to keep them safe from punishment, even execution because they were Roman guards, right? So that that was a punishment for dereliction of duty. The Pharisees never produced his body. They could have, right? Or maybe somebody mangled the saying, there's Jesus, he got eaten or something. Nope, they didn't even try. Um, actually, even the Romans or nobody else even tried to produce his body, though it turned the nation upside down with rumors. They persisted and persisted so that 
you know, it, it, the the faith in Jesus just kept spreading, and they never produced a body. And then no one ever dispelled the claims with actual evidence, right? Just lies. That's all they did. And then we've got number three, the disciples became bold after claiming to see Jesus. They were bold even until death, as we've said before. And we see in Acts 15.5 reveals that even many Pharisees came to believe in Jesus after his resurrection, right? So this persisted, and there was great evidence that was hard to refute. Nobody refuted it. They just said bad things about it. And so we see that the remarkable claim that Jesus rose from the dead has never been refuted, just refused, right? And it should be noted that among all the other proofs that the Bible is true, we should recognize the powerful claims Jesus made. Also, he is the only spiritual leader who ever claimed that he came down from heaven. He said, I came from above. I come from heaven, right? He says that he came from God. He also claimed that he is God, creator and eternal, that he loves the world, that he is the fulfillment of all the prophecies decreed from the foundation of the world, that his words will never pass away, that he died to save the world, and that he is the way to eternal life, and that he is now alive and alive forevermore, right? So all these claims, uh, other religious leaders of any kind or any kind of leader, they're all dead. All of them are dead. You can't think of one. And they never claimed to be alive, right? And then none of them, not a single one of them made any of these claims, let alone all of them that Jesus made. And so there's no evidence to refute that these claims are not true. Um, he is to refute that they are not to refute that they are true. Anyway, uh, he is the perfect fulfillment of all things because he is very God, right? Fulfilling all his own plans for his creation. And it's an orderly, perfect and glorious plan whose patterns throughout the Bible point to their fulfillment in Jesus. He wanted us to recognize him when he came. For example, many Christians don't realize that the day of Jesus's resurrection, Sunday, was also a prescribed feast day on the Jewish calendar. You might recall how Paul referred to the resurrection in 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty. Uh, quote, but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of all those who have fallen asleep. So this is actually the feast of first fruits. Maybe you've heard of that, which occurs on the day after the Sabbath of Passover week. Amazing. God is a God of order, right? So when the people argue about going to church on Sunday instead of Sabbath, other re- uh, another reason the new church started meeting on this day is because first fruits is always on a Sunday, no matter what day the Passover's on. But that's discussion for another day. Anyway, any the the feast was established to consecrate the first fruits of the barley harvest, right? To say thank you, Lord, for the the fruits of our harvest. And then Paul later describes the seed of the mortal body is sown like a grain, but it springs up a living, immortal body like Jesus. So we see that there's a comparison between the first fruits of the barley harvest that God instituted and then the first fruits of the body, which is what Jesus demonstrates. He gave his body like a seed to death, which bears much fruit. He talked about that. So Jesus was the first fruits of the resurrection, the first of the harvest of the resurrection. And we know this further by other Old Testament prophecies. So if we look at Two of the Messianic passages we mentioned before, we start to see a pattern that Jesus would be resurrected. For example, let's compare 
Psalm 2:22 starting at verse 15 compared to verse 22. So verse 15 says my strength is dried up like a potsherd and my tongue clings to my jaws you brought me to the dust of death. So he's about to die. But uh, verse 22, it says, I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the congregation. I will praise you. So although the Messiah was in the middle of suffering death, he declares he would later, later declare the works of God in the midst of his brethren. Right. So that shows life after death. Right. Then we see, as we just read in Isaiah 53, verse 12 Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul unto death. So he died, and yet he gets a reward. How do you do that? You have to be raised from the dead, right? And so we also see in Isaiah 26, verse 19, this is a remarkable prophecy. Your dead shall live together with my dead body. They shall arise. Awake and sing, you who dwell in the dust, for your dew is like the dew of herbs, and the earth shall cast out the dead. Right? That's a resurrection. And and it's the idea that my dead body shall arise with your dead shall live. Right? So it's this parallel between the Messiah rising and that the rest of the people will rise. And then we come to the day of Pentecost to understand the resurrection even more. Interestingly, Pentecost is another holy day ordained by God in the law, counted 50 days after first fruits. So this is cool. We're seeing lots of patterns that Jesus fulfills symbolically, right? They all pointed to him. And it commemorates the original event, which, believe it or not, Pentecost happened after the Passover in Egypt and their escape. And then God delivered the first covenant and the giving of the law on this day. That's why Pentecost was commemorated. (laughs) And so on the day of Pentecost, 50 days after Jesus was risen, God pours out his Holy Spirit according to the promise of the new covenant. And we see that in Jeremiah 33, 33. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, right? So it's going to be on their hearts, right? And we see that's through the Spirit. So now, we no longer no, no longer afraid. Uh, we see that after Jesus's crucifixion, Peter now has received the Holy Spirit and perfect understanding of what Jesus has done. So in Acts two, Peter boldly gives his first sermon before thousands of Jerusalem to describe and interpret the prophecies, especially Psalm sixteen. And we see in Acts two twenty two how he claims to these thousands of people, even though he'd been afraid before. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God in miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you know, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands and crucified him and put him to death, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. And we have to remember that it was not possible to hold Jesus in death because he was very God, resurrected himself in order to show his promises to all of us. And so that's our hope. And, you know, next time we're going to look at the next part, why the resurrection? (laughs) Because he 
will restore all things. So until next time, God bless you all. If you haven't received Jesus as your Savior, hurry up. He's coming back soon. Don't waste any more time. Be sure that you know him. Until then, God bless you all. Join Wendy Scott every Saturday at 3 p.m. on K-Praise for another episode of Season Watch. Previous episodes can be found through the K-Praise podcast platform, where you can also access Wendy's other platforms and contact links. Please email Wendy with show comments, questions, or suggestions at wscott at mywordsforhim.com or visit her website at mywordsforhim.com for additional resources. Watch other teachings on her Rumble channel. Wendy's Words for Him, her fiction novel, The Lost, A Story of Christmas, can be found on Amazon. Until next week, watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.